0: Take your business further with the American Express Business Gold Card. Now smarter and more flexible. It's packed with enhanced benefits that are built for your business. All with the powerful backing of Amex. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com businessgoldcard. Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today.
1: If anybody else, and I'll just say if a white man had the kind of career I have, not even had, I have, there would be statues outside.
2: My name is DeTavio Samuels and welcome to The Black Print, where I sit with the innovators, disruptors, and change makers. My guests open up about every step of their journey and share lessons learned along the way to provide creators, entrepreneurs, and executives with a tangible blueprint for navigating to the top of their industry. This is The Black Print. Welcome to The Black Print. I'm so excited about today's interview. You know, here at The Black Print, I always like to drop my favorite quote, everybody sees you on the mountaintop nobody sees you on the climb today we're about to hear the climb from bozema st john she's an amazing an amazing woman queen bee just look at the outfits to the sneakers i'm so excited to welcome you to the show welcome queen thank you very much i'm very glad to be here of course now look you've done so much you have a storied career we're going to get into a hall of famer i think forbes number all the things but um so that i don't do you an injustice i want you to introduce yourself to the family
1: all right well you know I have no problem with that (laughs) uh well as you said my name is Bozma St. John I go by Boz most of the time and if you get my name wrong I give you one more shot at it otherwise you're done that's because I've earned my place Mm -hmm. I am a storied marketer meaning that I have traveled in and around many different industries and I'll just name a few Well, no, I'm going to give you all of it. So I started off as Spike DDB, which is Spike Lee's advertising agency, left there and went to Pepsi, where I was for a decade. Then I went to Beats Music, which was acquired by Apple and ran Apple Music and iTunes. Then went to Uber, Endeavor, Netflix, and now I'm a published author. So I'm on my creative journey.
2: And let's be clear when she says, I went to, she means I was the chief marketing officer, C-suite, which is a level that so many people don't get to, especially black women. Mm. Um, And so, you know, your accomplishments are truly, truly amazing. If we went all the way to the back, it would take us forever. We'd be here forever. Um, So I actually want to go back to. Um, Pepsi, because that's where you and I first meet. And so let's talk about how do you get your start at Pepsi? So many people want to get their foot in the door, Fortune 500, Fortune 50 company. How did you get to Mm. Pepsi?
1: Well, at the time, um, people got in the door of these, you know, storied big marketing companies by going through an MBA program you know, or coming in as a Absolutely. class of interns, right? Uh, I did not have that story. I came in through the window. In fact, it wasn't even the window, it was like the vent. <laughs> you know, like I just shimmied my way in there. Um, but the honest truth of it, and this is probably what um, I think of when I think of my career, you know, mm-hmm. that it was relationships that actually got me in. You know, the fact that I had done work on the Pepsi business, but at the agency, Uh, and then made the relationships that then had people see me and see my worth, and then offer me the opportunity to join the company. And really, that has been my entire career, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of like working on something, working on it hard enough, showing my merits, and then being able to have the next opportunity. So it's been that way since that moment. But even when I got in the door, it meant that I had to... You know, showcase the way that I do things in the manner in which I do them because I wasn't a traditional marketer. You know, there was no MBA at the end of my name and therefore I didn't have the relationships that started in business school. I had to
2: forge them on the job. How'd you do that? How did you, so many people, I think, especially in this day and age where lots of companies are hybrid or, you know, Mm -hmm. there's no office at all. But I think a lot of times people have trouble building relationships Mm -hmm. internally. Mm -hmm. How did you now, how did you manage to learn how to build not only relationships, but it sounds like the right relationships? Yes.
1: Well, look, there's only one trick to it. Okay. You know, there really is only one. And I think in this day and age, sometimes we forget, we are so focused on getting the bag and getting your own bag, that you forget that the relationships is actually helping people and working with people when it is no benefit to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, so that means that if somebody's working on a project in which I know something that could help them to achieve even better to succeed even more, I offered. Mm-hmm. You know, without any requirement of payback. <laughs> and by the way, I still do that now. Mm-hmm. You will not believe how many CMO friends I have, where when I see something's going on. Oh, I'm quick to pick up the phone and be like, look, how can I help? Mm. In fact, I called um Dara Treseder like a year, probably a year and a half ago. She was a CMO of Peloton mm. when they were having all the challenges with like this disaster of a commercial that was not even theirs yes. so that you know <laughs> start to tank their business. And yeah, I flew to New York from LA. And was sitting by her side as she mm. contemplated the strategy on what to do next. And so it's that kind of thing that creates the relationships, creates the trust, creates the loyalty. And at the end of the day, it actually opens up opportunities.
2: Yeah, actually, I, to your last point, like I think it also just puts the right energy out into the world. I remember um, it was probably 2016 and I was thinking about how I was going to attack my career differently. Mm. And I just remember saying, this is the year I'm just going to give and give mm-hmm. and give and give. And it is incredible to see how when you give and give and give that somehow magically God brings it back to you, right? And so that has been a key part of my strategy as well. Um, When you were at Pepsi, you guys were kind of on the forefront of what people may call culture. I think you might've called it back then cultural influence marketing or cultural marketing or, you know, whatever that is. But this idea of recognizing the power of the culture and then harnessing the power of the culture um, to not just, um, build business, but to also uplift the culture. Is there anything that you did in your time at Pepsi that you are especially proud of? Like, is there a project that you're like, man, I'm so proud of the work that we did while we were there?
1: I'm gonna clear my throat. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, and that was not for effect. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. Um, <laughs> gosh, you know that's such a hard question because there were so many things. You
2: guys were everywhere doing all. You right. know,
1: I mean, the I, and I think maybe that's another thing that I enjoy about my work, you know, which is that like, I really find joy in my work, you know, Mm -hmm. that like, even when it's a project that has been assigned to me that I don't necessarily, you know, think is like, oh, okay, this is like the big shiny thing. I'm still gonna find something, in okay. it. you know. I'm putting a little sauce on it so that it feels good. And by the way, it's also a great way to build a, a reputation, mm-hmm. you know. Because then it's like, look, everything that I've ever worked on has my fingerprints on it. Mm-hmm. People know that I did that thing because I added the extra thing mm-hmm. to the project, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when I was at PepsiCo, gosh, I was there for a decade, you know, a of long course, time. Yeah. Um, and I worked on all kinds of stuff. Um, maybe the no- most notable, what people talk about most. Is uh, the relationship formed and the deal with the NFL for the Super Bowl halftime I'm show. Say Super Bowl and uh, number one yeah. on <laughs> that list
2: was Beyoncé. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that uh, it that really performance get any yeah, bigger than that, right? I don't yeah. know if it does, you know what I'm saying? I mean, all kind of things. I mean, Emmys were one, you yeah. know what I mean? So what can you really say beyond that? Uh, but what a coup, you know, that that actually it, it means more to me now than maybe. Uh, people even realize, you know, because of course we say Beyonce and it's like, oh yes, of course, like well, why not? But at the time it was not that simple. Mm-hmm. You know, the last black woman who had been on that stage was Janet Jackson. And that was a decade mm-hmm. before. There hadn't been another one.
2: Back one all kind years. of
1: concerns about wardrobe malfunctions and all the excuses, you know? And so by the time we were sitting at that table uh, campaigning, for her. It was not the slam dunk that I think people would assume. And I was very, very proud of the fact that like, not only did she go and perform, she crushed it. Mm. I mean, she just, she literally and figuratively set the stage on fire. (laughs) And everyone has compared everybody's performance to hers since then.
2: Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So, um, while you were making waves at Pepsi, while you were doing amazing things like campaigning to put the front of you know, the first black woman on the Super Bowl <laughs> stage in a decade. You were also going through your own kind of personal life. Can mm. you talk to me about um, what was going on in your personal life at that time yeah. while you're doing all of these amazing things that the world is watching? Um, well, look, that that is the question
1: right there, you know, because I think you can look at me or any number of people and look at their career and their resume and say,
0: oh, the Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with benefits like four times points that adapt to your top two eligible spending categories every month on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. And up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com businessgoldcard. Well, of course,
1: you know, they went from this to that, to that, to that. Oh, my God, look at the the mountaintops, as you said, you know, and and you don't see the climb. Well, my climb had quite a few falls in it, you know, some trauma in Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. And at the same time that I was reaching the peak peaks of what at the time was, you know, marketing at its highest degree, Uh, my husband was battling cancer. Mm -hmm. And so was my mother at the Mm -hmm. same time. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I knew that. Yes, yes, both of them. Mm -hmm. And my mother was on her second bout uh, and was finishing her treatment when my husband was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. And so it was a year, that very year, 2013, where, you know, it's like the highs of the highs and putting Beyonce on that stage, of course, realizing everybody, every marketer's dream of winning all the awards and everything. Uh, And in my personal life, trying to manage what would become my future uh, and dealing with the death of my husband, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, not being able to fully express that, you know, in the work that I was doing. Look, you already said it's tough and almost impossible to be a black woman in these spaces and at the level at which uh, we're competing, and I will say competing because it's a competition for who's in the room and who's in the seat. and so any any distraction and how terrible mm. you know that life God. or like the things that you're going through has to be seen as distraction, but that's what it was. Mm. You know, that's how somebody would characterize it. That perhaps I wasn't going to be as committed because not only am I dealing with illness and then death, but then also now I'm a single mom, you know, and and I've got to figure out how to manage all of those things and also manage these very dangerous political waters inside of corporate America, Mm. you know. And so um, when I think about that time and the time since it has been fraught with all kinds of peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. And that—that that is, uh, if I'm looking at my own story, it is probably what I'm proudest of most. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to show up in the fullness of myself, scars and all, and still achieve. Mm.
2: Everybody wants a fairy tale, but we forget the fairy tales come with lions and dragons mm. and witches. And, do you know what I mean? All like, of the things, yes. <laughs> they come with all the yes, things. Yes, yes, yes. I may be remembering this wrong, but the way that I remember, you know, again, I was trying to be um, on the agency side while you were at Pepsi dealing with this mm-hmm. stuff. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I have seem to remember you being very transparent on Facebook about what you were going through. And I, for me, I think that was the first time, like I got to see someone be that transparent. Even today, whatever you see on social media, (laughs) 99% of it isn't real. Right. (laughs) Right. This is a decade ago. Yeah. And you, I just feel like your heart was open. Am I, am I wrong? No,
1: you were completely
2: right. And you
1: know, what's so wild about that? I hadn't even been like that on social media before Mm -hmm. that moment. You know, that I was the one who would post like every once in a while with something I was eating or some <laughs> event I was at. You know what I'm saying? Like I would just, yeah, post the highlights like everybody else. And by the way, very few highlights. Mm. Um, but I started posting truthfully out of a necessity just to feel people. You know, that um, my world had become so small, you know, it had become almost suffocating in that all I was doing was working, taking care of my child and taking care of my husband, taking care of my mom. That was it, you know? And um, at some point it was a necessity almost to like keep close friends and family up to speed on what was happening. But then I found that a larger community of people who I did not know Mm -hmm. were sending words of encouragement, were praying for me, You know, it was just, it was the wildest thing. I didn't know that social media could be such a place. And I think today there's lots of bad things that Mm. happen on social media. People talk about it all the time. Look, I have found a community of people that I find to be highly engaged, very caring. um, And some of my biggest supporters and cheerleaders in times when in my career or in my personal life have been advocates Mm. for me. Okay, mm. I remember when, uh, gosh, I guess it was t- almost maybe three years ago now, there was an article published, or two years ago, mm. an article published about me yeah, that I really trashed me I for no reason. Yeah. I was over here sitting here minding Mind my, in my business, business. Yeah, yeah, you know what yeah, I'm yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. being just a fabulous <laughs> black woman, and somebody... I don't have to say what kind of person they were decided that they wanted to trash me and talk about how like essentially flighty I am for having jumped, you know, to so many different companies. And I first I was stunned, Mm -hmm. you know, because I was just like, my goodness, Mm -hmm. like if anybody else and I'll just say if a white man Mm -hmm. had the kind of career I have not even had I have they there would be statues. Outside hmm. to them, you know, no one has the accolades that I have, but yet they decide to trash me. So I was stunned, and before I could even act, whew, the army came for yeah, them. No, I remember. You know oh, I'm I mean? oh, Twitter was yeah, on fire, I remember. I remember. and I didn't even have to utter a word. Mm-hmm. So I think everything for me, uh, in terms of my outward display of my life, and not feeling the need to filter or to be shy about the challenges, the triumphs, the beautiful parts, the ugly parts. Oh, I'm totally okay with telling because I also think it's important for people to understand Absolutely. that this life is not all like the sheen veneer. Absolutely. You know that there are the peaks and valleys, the mountain tops and the climb. Like you've got to see all of that to understand what it took to get here. Absolutely. You know, it was not easy. And I don't ever want to deny that part of myself. Look, I earned every stripe that I have. I earned it. And so if anything, I'm going to show you You don't have to assume. I'll Mm. show you.
2: (laughs) In my 20s, I used to think that as a leader, I had to be perfect Mm. until I learned that nobody wants to follow a perfect leader because no one believes Mm. in a perfect leader, Mm. right? So the more you're out there trying to show that you're perfect, the more people don't trust you because they know it's not a real thing. And so that's how I get comfortable, like you, showing my full self. I think, um, you know, you've been so many places, we'll try to tap into a couple of them. But one of the things that I think... I assume people think when they look at your career is that um, you are not jumping with intention. Mm. You are not jumping deliberately or strategically. (laughs) But I think that probably couldn't be further from the truth, right? right? So can you talk about the strategy behind some Mm. of these moves that you've made and why you think they were important stops for you to make?
1: Well, you know what? (laughs) Um, I love that question, by the way. Okay. Because I do think it looks like Oh, you know, she's just doing whatever she wants. And by the way, lots of people who are not fans have also said a lot of things, right? I hear, I hear. Not just the people who write articles, but people who say I'm selfish, mm. you know, or that I am unconcerned about a particular company's well-doing or well-being mm. or its success. And um, I'm always very puzzled by that, you know, not not because like I have some sort of Overwhelming, noble idea of like, you know, carrying corporate America. I certainly don't. But I am puzzled by the fact that they are confused that I come first. Mm. I don't understand why they would think anybody comes first before me. Mm. Why, why would I live life that way? And I feel sorry for anybody else who does. And so when I get that criticism, I'm like, no, no, no. What you don't understand. Is that I'm going to make the moves that are going to benefit Best me. For you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you think for one second that I would do anything else, well, <laughs> okay, I, I don't even have anything to tell you. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because what kind of life are you living? Mm-hmm. It's like I have completely been unapologetic. And I know people like to throw that word around a lot about themselves and about different situations. I'm like, no, when you were truly unapologetic, it is because you are concerned first and foremost about yourself. Mm. Now, don't consider that selfish. I consider that survival. Mm. Okay. So it's like, if I'm going to be in these spaces and I'm going to do the work and I'm going to burn the candle at both ends and like really put my imprint on stuff, then I want to be in the place that's going to allow me to do the best work. Mm. And at some point, regardless of where you are, you reach the top of your learning. Okay. And that's the thing is that if you haven't reached the top of what you are learning in that space then I encourage you to continue to stay, but you have to evolve in that space. You know, you can't keep doing the same job for 10 years and think that you're growing, Mm -hmm. you know? And so if you're going to stick around doing the same thing that you've done, then just recognize the fact that that's what you're doing. Mm -hmm, You're not growing. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're being comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's like, look, when I move, it is because I need to continue to grow. I need to continue to evolve. I can't be the best version of myself sitting around and marinating.
2: Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, and that you talk about being unapologetic and putting yourself.
0: Take your business further with the American Express Business Gold Card. Now smarter and more flexible. It's packed with enhanced benefits that are built for your business. All with the powerful backing of Amex. Terms apply. Learn more
2: at americanexpress.com slash business gold card first. Mm -hmm. Um, You can confirm or deny this, but I also, and this part I don't know to be true, but when you do take new jobs, you are also very clear about who you are (laughs) and about the other work that you're doing. I am writing my book. I am doing these other projects. Talk about Um, If it's true, can you please talk about how you are willing to have the conversation like, yes, I will take this job, Mm. but you should also know Mm. that I am a business, I am a brand, I am a woman, I am a mother, (laughs) like all of these other things. I don't know what you say, but can you talk to me a little bit about that?
1: You are correct that I do have that very frank conversation. Now, I realize that to some degree, not everybody wants to have that conversation out of fear right? You're afraid that either you won't be offered the job or you'll be fired. Maybe if you're already in it, um, you won't be given the promotion. If people think you're distracted, blah, blah, blah. Um, for me, I have always looked at the extra things that I bring like side dishes to a to a meal. <laughs> you know saying, I do. You don't just want the steak and potatoes, right? Look, I'm the whole meal. Okay, you know saying? So I gotta bring all the things. I'm bringing some appetizers. <laughs> Gonna have a little dessert. dessert? Yeah, Look, yeah, yeah, don't mess yeah. around and have a drink. Okay, <laughs> like I, I will also bring the tequila. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So all of the things that mm-hmm. I have that are extras, I want to benefit the work. You know, mm. So even what I said before about um, being the whole me in a place and knowing that I am there to serve myself also means that I know I am the best at what I do. And so that only happens if I'm able to pull from these other things in order to be the best. Mm. And so as a paid speaker, on top of the work that I do every single day in the corporate space, I recognize that. I am much sharper at delivering a message because of that practice that I have. And when I write, I am much better at being clear in the written word and therefore as a senior executive, as a C-suite Executive, I'm able to disseminate information because if I have a 5,000 person team, I'm not going to be able to sit down and talk one on one. They will have to read my written word and understand the direction. Mm. Or if I am, you know, just fabulously out here in the world and going to events and whatnot. That I'm making relationships and then I am understanding the culture. I don't know how you're a marketer who doesn't understand what's going on outside. Mm. How are you going to talk to people? How are you going to be um, up with what is happening in culture and really understand people's mood and their inspiration and therefore create campaigns that are going to affect them? You can't do that and so everything that I do outside benefits the company I'm working for, so they're
2: welcome mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, I love the framing. It's an idea that I talk a lot about on the black Crown. I wrote about it in Mm -hmm. um, my book, which is that everybody needs a big machine and a small machine, right? And if you just think about it in terms of like music, you have Wu-Tang. So Wu-Tang was the big machine. Mm -hmm. And they would Mm -hmm. all get Mm -hmm. on an album and kind of do their thing. But then at some point in time, Method Man got to go off and do his own thing and find his own voice and and solidify. ODB got to go off and do his own thing and find his own. And then they come back to the big machine. And I love the fact that you have... Um, framed it not only in that um, yes, it is critical for my own growth, but that it adds value to the big machine at the same time, right?
1: right. That's right.
2: One of the other things that I see you doing a lot, you know, at Revolt, we're big on like our strategy is like you could pretty much simplify it as almost like a global black, Mm -hmm. right? We want to tell stories from LA to Atlanta to New York, but also we want to be in Cairo and the West Indies and Mm -hmm. um, UK, wherever black people are. You're doing quite a little bit of work on on, on the motherland, so can you just kind (laughs) of To talk about what you're doing there and why? why yes. do you think it's important yes. to be over there.
1: Oh Well, I consider myself bicultural, right? My parents are originally from Ghana, in West Africa. Um, I lived in a lot of places as a kid, but I was born in the U.S. And so my parents, you know, although we were moving around quite a bit, we settled in Colorado Springs, Colorado when I was 12. And so I considered that I spent, you know, the formative years of my early childhood in Africa, mostly, and then you know, the formative years of young adulthood in the U.S. and obviously as a full adult in the U.S. So the majority of my experience is as an African-American person, Mm. right? So that is the culture I most identify with. However, whenever I would go to Ghana, I would go with my parents, you know, and so the experiences I was having was only through their eyes. So it wasn't really until, gosh, only maybe a decade ago, maybe less, that I started to go and discover what the continent was for myself, you know? And I think the other part about it, which really started to bother me, and I couldn't articulate until like a decade ago, was that when we moved to the US finally, um, there was already such a stigma around Africa, right? The narrative of Africa. And surprisingly, (laughs) And maybe it's not surprising now because I'm a full adult and I can really interpret things. I couldn't understand why not only the kids, but the adults that I interacted with, teachers, principals, whoever, didn't understand the beauty of Africa. Mm. They didn't They didn't get it. They didn't know what I knew. And even though I tried to tell them, they looked at me like I was lying, mm. you know? But the truth of the matter is that that is a narrative we were taught. I mean, imagine, remember back then when all of the, like, UNICEF and, like, Save a Child and all these other programs were about saving black children not even going to say African, because I believe there's a larger play here. Black children with distended bellies and flies on their eyes, and they were worth one cent a day. Mm. And they would send you their picture. You would put it on your fridge. And every time you went to that fridge, you'd open the door and look at this life that was worth one cent. Mm. Do you think that that did not have an effect on the entirety of blackness? Mm -hmm. That that was not just about Africa. That was about black kids in Cleveland. I love it. That was about black kids in London. That was about black kids in Brazil. That was all of us. And so this separation or this idea that was, of course, begun during the slave trade about this one is better than that one is completely moot. Mm -hmm. When you think about that campaign against blackness, your life is worth one cent. Why do you think you have any value? Mm. Why would you ever think that you were worth more than Mm -hmm. the little white kid who's looking at you and send the one cent? Never. And so as an adult and as a marketer, I realized the power of storytelling, the power of narratives, and I wanted to contribute. And I met the president of Ghana in 2017. Uh, He was just about to announce to the UN that he wanted 2019 to be the year of return because it marked 400 years since the beginning of the transatlantic slave trade. And it felt like the perfect moment to insert my marketing sauce (laughs) onto this very serious project. And the thing is, look, I had all respect for the mission and how he was talking about it, but I also felt like it was too serious, Mm. you know? None of us want to do things because, like, your parent told you to do it. I mean, we all know that, right? But it also feels the same when you have, like, a very serious politician or anyone who's in, like, senior leadership say, you know, you should do this because you are obliged to do it, you know? Black people, you should come back to the continent because, you know, your ancestors wanted to return. Nobody want to do that, you know, with all due respect. You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody is really inspired just by that alone. Because you think, well, I have my life here. I'm doing well here. I'm creating here. So why should I return to a place I have no idea about? Mm. I'm going to give you a reason why. Because the shit is lit. (laughs) Okay? Because it's popping. That
2: simple. (laughs) Because they've been lying to
1: you this whole time. Mm -hmm. And you didn't know that that's actually where the magic is at. Mm. And so Come. Come eat the food, come see the fashion, come listen to the music, come dance your ass off until the dawn. You know, come have a good time. And so it's not just about the obligation to your history, but it's about actually living the fullness of yourself right now. Let's pour back into the continent because that is actually where the magic lies. Mm. That's it.
2: Mm-hmm. It's, um. I mean, you were hitting on the core of the purpose of revolt, right? We talk about mm. our reason for existing is we want to shift the narrative for black people globally, right? Because we know that yes. they they have owned the narrative. Mm-hmm. And like, I think about it, like when we were kids, one of the worst kind of, uh, like when you were calling people names, one of the worst names you could call them was like an African booty scratcher. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I remember like, that. Yes. And so again, it just, yes. it just it, that even since we were kids, mm. we were taught to believe mm. that being African and being a part of this wonderful, amazing diaspora was a negative thing. Yes, yes, Um, yes.
1: And if I could add one more thing, I think um, I've also seen a lot of discourse and dialogue right now about essentially, again, this separation, you know, this ownership of blackness in a way that doesn't unify us. And it's such dangerous language. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to really actively put an end to all of that kind of dialogue. You know, people who say things like, oh, well, you know, Africans think they're better than,
2: you know, Mm, African-Americans.
1: Or that, like, you know, they they work harder or whatever. Again, I've been on the Internet.
0: You know what I mean? (laughs) Over here on some Twitter. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with benefits like four times points that adapt to your top two eligible spending categories every month on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. And up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.
1: Wars with folks who want to say stuff like that. And I'm like, cut it out. Mm. That is so destructive. Mm. It's so useless of a conversation. Like, why would we continue that which began 400 years ago? That was the way to conquer, you know? And so we've got to better understand that we are all in the plight together. You know, what happens to one black person in Brazil is the same thing that's going to affect us here in absolutely, Chicago. Absolutely. You know, and so how is it that we are still battling about who is better mm-hmm. or like who has it worse? Mm-hmm. Like, look, blackness all around is in dire need of our unification. Mm-hmm. And so that's also the other mission of why. I want to do the work that I do on, in Ghana, on the continent and in the U.S.
2: Yeah, there's some quote maybe you'll help me find, but it's essentially like that a house divided is easy to topple. Ooh, right. And so yes. like, that's been the entire strategy yeah. the, the, the whole time. Um, for me, yeah. I actually think it's pretty simple because I'm just a math person. Mm. Right. And so when you look at it in the U.S., there's 50 million Black folks, mm-hmm. when you look at the continent, there's a the billion. <laughs> do you want to go to war with 50 million? Or do you want to go to war with a billion? <laughs> 50 <laughs> that million. Art. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's the math. math is, it's it's, it's math. so simple. It's And um, it's frustrating to see us get Mm. caught up in the lies that have been built again, to your point, for centuries, Mm. right? That have been in place. Mm. Um, Okay, I know we got to get ready to shut this conversation down, but what I know about um, you is that you can be on top of a mountaintop and then you are looking for the next one. (laughs) What is next for you? Where are you looking? Where What do you have your eyes on? You have this incredible book. Yeah. What, what's next for you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh.
1: Well, that has been um, maybe in the strategy, if there was one, of my career and my life has been one of not creating finite plans. You know, I'm open to what the universe and my destiny have for me. And so I am open right now to whatever that is. I'm very, very, very happy to be in the seat I'm in right now, you know, looking back at a 25-year career that has uh, been full of ups and downs, both personal and professional, as I have uh, illustrated in my book, The Urgent Life. But I am open to whatever evolution is next for me. Mm -hmm. And so... We'll all wait and see. Yeah, I love that.
2: <laughs> I love that. You know, you will have my prayers as you find your way. Thank I'm a big you. believer in like ideas. And so before we leave, there's an idea in this notion mm. of the urgent life. Yes. As we close out, can you leave us with what is it? What is what yes. is the idea of the urgent life? Yes. Mean? What's its genesis?
1: Yes. The urgent life is about an intention. You know, that uh, I think sometimes urgency can have the connotation of speed or recklessness or, you know, being wayward and going and blowing with the wind whenever that is or however it blows. And that is not it at all. You know, urgency is about really understanding what it is that you want and then going for that thing right now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like don't wait for the six months. My husband was diagnosed and dead in six months. You know, when somebody tells you like, oh, well, you need a little more time practicing X, Y, and Z thing. Is that true? You should really investigate that. Is that true for you? And if you don't agree with it, then make a change. Move your environment. If you're in a relationship that is not satisfactory to you and you are being asked to wait for a year to get the thing that you want, you should leave. You know, my mission and my message is one and the same. Live life with intention. Do what it is that you want to do right now. It's a story of hope, really, at the end of the day. is that, like, we all hope that life is better tomorrow. So why not get started on that today?
2: Y'all don't need me to say anything else more than that. We're going to let the queen drop the mic on that one. Boz, I am so um, thrilled that you took the time thank to you. share this space with me. Not only did you come looking fabulous, but you came and dropped oh fabulous gosh. gems and jewels Amen. on the audience. And so thank you for being here, queen. Thank you so
1: much. I appreciate the time. Thank All you.
2: Right. Just had an amazing conversation with the one and only Bozema St. John. And uh, the three takeaways that I want the audience to take away from this conversation. Um, One, don't be afraid to show your imperfections. You know, nobody wants to follow a leader who's pretending to be perfect. It is in showing her imperfections that Bose is able to build a support system, even through social media. So offline and online, that has been critical to her rise to the top. She talks about even having moments where as a black woman, she's been attacked in social media been attacked in the public sphere, but because she showed those imperfections and because those imperfections allowed her to build an incredible audience, they came to her defense. And so this idea that nobody wants to follow a perfect leader. So give up on that thought and show the world who you really are. Two, there's power in the total black diaspora. Um, there's so much work being done to divide us, right, within our country, across continents. Bozema talks about how there is strength in numbers, how there is, um, how the same stories that have been told about black people in the US are the same stories that have been told about black people in Africa or in the UK or in France. And the idea is that what we need to do is come together as one, to unite as one in order to be our strongest baddest selves as a community and number three and I don't know that Bozma ever said it but she is clearly a black woman, a black queen who is unafraid to walk in her power. She tells you that she has earned these roles. She has earned these positions. She is not backing down for anyone. She is walking in her power. And I think that that is um, a beautiful thing, whether she said it or not, but in all that she talked about, in the way that she carries herself, in the way that she demonstrates this idea that we should all be walking in our power, that none of us should be shrinking from anybody, Stand on your ground. Stand for what you've done. Stand for what you've built. Know who you are. Walk in your power, kings and queens. Peace.
0: The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with benefits like four times points that adapt to your top two eligible spending categories every month on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. And up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's
2: the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com businessgoldcard gold card.